Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And hi, I'm Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs. This week, we're going to talk about how to structure your time to be as productive as possible. Rick is in the early stages of his new venture, and he isn't happy with what he got done last month. So we're going to try to figure out a new approach to scheduling for him that will let him spend his most productive hours on his most important work. Uh, But first, let's give some updates on what we've been up to. So what have you been up to this week, Tyler? (laughs) Not much. I always say not much. That's I can't not say that. Uh, I've been up to plenty. Uh, we had the what we call the the hard launch of this redesign that like the saga that never ends. I've been talking about this redesign for like a year now. Uh, the hard launch means basically we've started forcing people over to it. So not no actual work went into this. We've just kind of been waiting to give people long enough of a lead time. Um, surprisingly, I was expecting. If you have a bunch of people who opt in to switch to a new design of the software, and then about 50% of the people opted in on their own, and then another 50% didn't, when we start forcing them over, I was kind of thinking the 50% that we have to force are really going to be unhappy about this. Does that intuitively seem right to you? Yeah, I would say so. We just haven't heard anything from them. They just started using it the next day and like nothing happened. Yeah, like I'd say a couple people have been like, meh, and a couple people have been like, I really like it. But overall, just we're getting almost no feedback. We've we've uh, this week switched over, I want to say another 5% of all of our users and just nothing. How does that make you feel? I don't know. I guess relieved because I would thought this was going to drag on for another month or two. And I think given the lack of you know, responses we're getting, we're just going to switch, we're going to switch people over a lot faster than we expected, but I'm just surprised my intuition was so off there. Yeah, that makes sense. So you were taking a conservative approach, but, uh, because you were afraid that maybe it would blow up your customer service Mm -hmm. capacity. And now that it's not, you can increase the transition rate. That's cool. Yeah. So on Monday we switched a hundred people on Tuesday, 200 on Wednesday, 400. And today I think we did 800. So Why I not think just do them all today or everybody <laughs> do do them all tomorrow. Just pull off the bandaid. I mean, it actually seems like maybe we, I mean, I think we'll probably not literally do that, but I think by the end of next week we'll be done with the remaining 10,000 people. Probably. Are you going to celebrate? Um, we probably should. We, we have a, a company party scheduled in a few weeks that is, we're just having it anyway, but we might repurpose it as the redesign launch party. <laughs> Sounds like um, a R. Kelly song. <laughs> the remix to Ignition. Is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> other than the the hard launch, because I didn't actually do anything there. It just happened. Um, so kind of our, our last episode, I was in Boston doing that marketing retreat with Bracken. And so we're done with that. Got back on uh, Tuesday. I think it went really well. I, I got both my projects done or kind of three projects. I, I thought it was two and it's the same amount of stuff I thought I was going to do, but I now realize it was actually three projects. So I made improvements to referrals, made improvements to how we're doing marketing attribution, so like tracking what sign-up sources people come through. And then probably the one I'm most excited about is tracking people's industries when they sign up. Um, so that's all done. Uh, deployed. Customers are signing up and giving us their industry. And yeah, it all seems to be working. That's cool. And are you seeing any data points that are surprising to you or is it all what you expected so far it's too early to say anything about does this affect conversion rates or anything like that so i'll I'll let you know on that one i am surprised how many people fill out industry Uh, it's not required now we don't say optional but it's not required and i think more than half the people are filling it out which i'm I'm happy with cool i get a lot of data from it are there any industries that you're are you watching that data or are you just I would, trying like, my I would be best. like, a, I would be a hawk on this. I'd be like, oh, someone, what, what industry are they in? <laughs> That's my instinct. And I, I have checked twice today, but I'm trying my best not to. And then saying like at the end of the week, or I have a reminder set to periodically go in and look at them. There's like eight industries that we deal with commonly. And then there's an other where you can fill it in. So what I'm really interested to see is what are people filling in the other field? Cause maybe we should take some of those and put them on the main list. Hmm. Um, only four of them have templates. So 
I think those four, it's like real estate, insurance, financial planner, and uh, one other, um, travel agent. Um, if they use those, they get a special template applied to their account, like customized pipelines and stuff. Those are the ones I'm really excited to see is do those four industries start converting at a higher rate because they're setting startup better? So, um, we'll see about that. And, uh, Bracken also did some work there and in particular answered, um, some, he was doing analytics stuff like we talked about last week. And we had, I said, we kind of entered a slump at the end of last year and he was trying to dig into why. And what he found out is we actually didn't enter a slump last year. What happened is the previous six to nine months before that we had surged in a way that was like gradual enough that we didn't realize it. It seemed like just normal growth. And then what happened is we came back down to our normal trajectory and it seemed like a slump. Um, So that doesn't change things. We still want to be above where we are right now. But now the question is less what went wrong and more like what was going right during that nine months that we need to go try to reproduce. So I'm I'm glad we know that too. Cool. It's funny how answers often lead to just better questions, not not actual useful answers. (laughs) Yeah. About every half day while I was in Boston, Bracken would be like, okay, I dug into this and we figured this out. And then we'd be like, oh, well, okay, that changes the question. And then we'd reformat and he'd be like, okay, let me go dive into that. And we never really got that total conclusion, but we definitely iterated really far in the right direction, I think. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, What about you? Well, uh, um, we have been, so at, at Group Current, one of our clients, Panda Labs, we put out a pretty aggressive survey question to each member about how 2019 was and what we could do to improve in 2020. We got a 70% response rate. Wow. Uh, with detailed, uh, with details on exactly what people thought. Uh, we had three cancellations uh, as a result of the survey, which wasn't that bad actually. So I was surprised. I, I thought it was going to be more. Can people churn whenever they want or like mm-hmm. this was their chance to churn? It just, it was an issue. It initiated them into going, you know, I really don't like this. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. Yeah. Overwhelmingly positive though. Awesome. Um, the, what I, what, what, one thing though is feedback is so powerful. Um, I, because I reviewed every piece of feedback and then oftentimes I would respond on top of the feedback with, Hey, with a follow-up question to dig deeper into what they're, what outcome they were trying to achieve with the feedback or why they said something a certain way. And so some people I went three or four iterations with and I, last night I pulled all that into a document and sort of organized it like a mini mind mapping exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's two very clear, like when you go through all the feedback, there's 60% of the, of the people of the respondents want two things. Oh, and that's awesome. <laughs> and it's, it's like, well, the, it's awesome. So we have a really clear direction. The two things they want are exactly what group current needs to build from its member management software perspective, but financing that hmm. with the revenue we have right now is the challenge. So the good thing is we have direction. Um, so we're going into the board meeting next week and we're going to be talking about, okay, how do we, how do we put, pull the resource together to deliver this? Um, the two things, if in case anyone's interested is uh, one, people want to, no, make people in the community want to make it want us to make it easier for them to learn about each other and find uh, you know what people's passions are, what their expertises are, where they're willing to help, where they need help, and uh, you know it's easier said than done to deliver that um, because you you have this usage problem like LinkedIn doesn't work because LinkedIn only has experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't even have LinkedIn accounts. And then you guys Slack, you know, Slack profiles don't really work because we have, you know, probably less people would use Slack than already on LinkedIn. And so, you know, how do you, how do you like put this in a place that is self-serve that people will actually use? That's the challenge in front of us with that one. Have you thought about just spinning up like a discord? Does there's discourse and discord discourse is what I'm talking about. I think like a message board type of thing. These are the things that are on the table. Uh, I think the biggest challenge we have is one resources to manage a bunch of different applications and then usage adoption and usage, like rolling something out that 20% of the member base takes advantage of isn't solving the problem. Yeah. I I, uh, was briefly a member of an online community called, I think it's called the water cooler. It's like a management 
startup manager type of group. And I thought what they did was pretty good, which is they had like a message board thing. But to join, like you had to apply to be a member and they asked you all these questions. And they were like, the first post, you you have to go in and do this to kind of activate with the community. Um, and it has all these questions you have to answer. And then there's this backlog. So for new users, it's like, go back and read everyone's if you're interested in connecting with people. I thought that was pretty cool. That is great. Yeah. It's got to be baked. In, it's definitely got to be baked into the onboarding process. The thing that David, my partner, are running into is resource you know, limitation. And then we have limited skills as it as it comes to coding and make and building these flows. Well, yeah, but there was no flow at all there. They were just like, you know, you signed up, you have to go, go post this. Here are the questions. It wasn't automated. Did they build the message? No, I think it was, I think it was a discourse message. Oh, really? I think so. I'll have to check that out. They charge for it too. It's like 25 bucks a month or I could be getting that wrong, but it's like a paid membership. And all it is is access to this generic technology message board thing. Can you, um, I would love to check out this community. It's called water cooler. I think it's the water cooler. It's, it's a spinoff from base camp, um, that turned into know your team. Anyway. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you. Cool. The, uh, the other thing that people want uh, is curated, um, like they want more curated member to member workshops and experiences. So they don't want, Panda Labs, the community throwing more events, but they want more events that are put on by other members, like mm-hmm. pitch pitch workshops or finance financing one hundred and one that kind of thing. And uh, so, fi- figuring out how to curate those events and then make it easy for members to invite each other to to their events and then make it easy for them to find locations to have those events. That's the challenge. That's the secondary thing. Hmm. So. It's really good. So we have really clear direction now on where we need to go with that community, um, and it's it's crazy. I think like if we could do, if we could build a software that makes it easy to to do those two things, um, we could help a lot of communities. Let's see. Uh, we I secured an agency license, um, an LLC, and bank account for Legapelt. So now you can go to legapelt.com. Um, it's still in beta, closed beta, but um, all, I'm done with the stuff that was preventing me from getting appointed with health insurance companies. So cool. now I can, I have actually three pieces of paperwork on my desk right back here that I'm going to go start filling out um, tomorrow or tonight or tomorrow morning. And I should be appointed and able to start being a broker um, <laughs> by next week. So I've actually, um, you know, started just since getting that LLC done yesterday. I, I started uh, recruiting more beta users and everywhere I'm looking, I'm finding beta users now that I'm looking. So I'm starting to create a list. Um, like half the panel labs members because they're founders buy their own health insurance. Um, mm. my, I was Sorry. getting my haircut yesterday, which you called out earlier. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, I was just talking to my hair person and she's like, yeah, I buy my own health insurance. All, all of these women buy their own health insurance. Um, mm-hmm. hair salons have a huge challenge with, but you know, with, with health insurance. Um, and it's just like, wow. So there's so many just within one or two degrees of me that if I can make it super easy for them to make me their broker, um, I should be able to grow my users really quickly and start, uh, producing some revenue. Yeah. And so you already have like some beta users, right? I've got four. Um, I've added, added two yesterday. And so they're ready to switch like as soon as you're you've got all your paperwork filled out and stuff you're making 50 to 100 dollars a month off each one of them basically like instantly probably 50 to 60 50 okay. to f- 50 to f- yeah 60 is probably the range 15 at the bottom and 60 at the top okay but you've got revenue just just waiting for the paperwork to go through that's awesome yeah congrats thank you thank you and it, it kind of uh it's now that i got that done i'm starting to play with no code again and i'm playing with firebase and I'm, I'm getting the itch to start thinking about how I could automate some of these things, but yeah. then, you know, I'm, I'm spending, but I need to spend more of my time on the service side before I, I get too far along. I'm just trying to progress my knowledge of uh, mm-hmm. making sure I'm prepared when I need to shift that way. Uh, do you feel like the four people are getting, do they feel like they're getting value out of this? That is a good question. I don't know the answer yet. I think, Many of them have have messaged me and said, "Hey, I need help finding a PCP," and I've helped them. PCP is okay. a uh, primary care physician, so I've had an interaction with just about every single one of them, and I've checked in with them every month. Um, so I think like they're getting more value than they would have otherwise. 
Yeah, because it doesn't cost them anything. The only thing it costs them, and this is like the biggest challenge, is the time it takes to sign the paperwork. Yeah. Right. So the the next user will be better indicators because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna be like asking them to make me the broker in real time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that changes their expectations at all. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I, I realize. Well, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say a while, like long ago, we had an episode where the question was, how do you get to a point where you've kind of got product market fit and proven that it's viable so that maybe you raise money or bring on a later stage co-founder, but like you're in control. And the no code thing sounds interesting and all that, but it sounds like you could potentially have a pretty healthy like insurance agency business here with no technology behind it at all to raise money on or or however you want to go do that next step. Correct. Yeah. And I, I would say that w- my current focus is getting something to, I don't know, 50K in revenue per year that is, you know, supported by some no code automation. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't think I can get to that. That, that would require, that requires quite a bit of users, um, it would require like 400 users, 200 to 400 users, depending on how, how big the family was. Um, so, uh, I don't, you know, I don't think that it makes a whole lot of sense to just do those. Man- I, I don't believe that I'll be able to do 200, 400 just with email. Um, yeah. So I'll probably want to have them organize into some login and have some self-service components for my internal, you know, process benefit. But you know, I'll, I'll deal, I'll deal with that as it goes. But along the way, if I get to 50 users and I'm doing it manually, I could, I, I am in a much better position to your point to go recruit a founding team member uh who is technical mm-hmm. versus a co-founder yeah and awesome. give up give up a lot less equity even sh- you know be able to pay that person some do some sort of revenue share right off the bat yeah definitely cool that's exciting yeah it also um kind of leads into what i want to talk to you about today um which the topic um i want i, I brought today is it's kind of it's it's a little bit different it's i would call it how to restructure I need to think about how to restructure my days and weeks to maximize productivity. In 2019, I spent most of my time thinking and planning. And uh, in our December session, we set some goals and my goal shifted from figure out what to do to execute on what I am doing. And I have some pretty aggressive financial goals um, with, you know, within like up ventures to grow my revenue so I can continue to pursue entrepreneurship as a focus. Um, there are a couple of categories of things that I'm focused on. One is Group Current, which I talked about earlier. It's the community management company that generates cash, double the revenue from that. Leg Up uh, Health, which is a new company, I want to start getting revenue from that. And then the third bucket of revenue comes from hypothetically consulting, which I did a little bit last year. And um, if I, do- I did some this year, it would be a great opportunity to you know, take some pressure off of the other two ventures producing cash right away. So I've started, um, I had my first month trying to go after these pretty aggressive goals across split, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, focus. And I found myself, like reflecting on January this week, I found myself pretty disappointed with how much I got done um, in terms of progress. And I, and I look I look at him going, man, like I could have made a lot more progress, I think, if I had structured the the, not necessarily what I was doing, um, although I definitely want to explore that, but the time, the way I approached planning doing them, because most of my days uh, resulted in a significant amount of context switching. There wasn't, there wasn't a single day really that I said, Hey, this day I'm going to focus on just this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, will, I can tell you about like sort of how I structure my days, but what I wanted to um, do is I would like to increase my efficiency going into February and get and, and make more progress. Um, I'd like to, you know, maybe understand. I'm happy to share what my what, what my structure is right now. Have you challenged that? Success for this meeting would be I'm I'm hopefully going out and making some pretty specific changes to my my daily and weekly schedule. Whether that's hey, I'm going to focus on one thing for three days and, and not lose focus, or you know, one thing per day. Something there's got to be some change I can make in order to. I think double my productivity in February relative to January. Cool. I don't want to change my goals if I don't have to, but I'm open to being challenged on that. So um, 
one, th- one thing that I am thinking about, for example, is deprioritizing consulting because I've reached a, a hurdle with group current and a hurdle already with, uh, with leg up health. Um, consulting is less important. Um, so I am, I would say that I'm in January, I probably spent more time thinking about how to get a consulting client. I'm not, I don't feel the need to do that in February. I have, if a consulting client came along and I needed to figure out how to serve them, I want to think about that, but I'm not going to be spending a whole lot of time prospecting for consulting, if you will. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's definitely the first thing that when I hear I've got three different businesses I'm going after and you didn't even mention this podcast, you didn't mention Um Definitely there's an amount of stuff going on that doesn't seem sustainable long-term. Now, of course the goal is to get rid of consulting, but even still you're left with the podcast isn't really much work, but three pretty major things, which you're going to be context switching no matter what, if you've got those going on. And I, I view the podcast as, as I don't even want to talk about it as a priority. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it, I, I, I think we do a good job of aligning it to what we're working on. And so it, in a, in a lot of ways, this podcast amplifies, helps what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So I don't see it as a cost. It's it break even at the at worst. So um, I guess uh, maybe I can tell you how I'm structuring my, how I structure my weeks in January. And uh, I basically did, I created a routine when I, in sometime in July, 2019, around how I would spend my perfect day. And I haven't changed this since July. Basically every morning I try to wake up at 5 a.m., um, I spend the first four hours of the day working. I do three things. I work out, I read, and I write. That's all I do for four hours. I have mm-hmm. I, I do not schedule things. I get pretty bitter when someone tries to put something on my calendar before nine. And uh, if someone tries to schedule me, I say, I'm not available. Right? It's my, it's my time. And that's seven days a week. I'll make exceptions on Saturday and Sunday, depending on what we got going on. And you know, sometimes I'll stay up late and sleep in, but that is like the schedule that I try to adhere to. This means I go to bed pretty early. So I go to bed around nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll stay up a little bit later than that, but in order to wake up at 5 a.m. consistently, you got to go to bed pretty early. Um, so every morning I'm spending time reading a ton. So I've read, I probably have read more books than I can count right now this year. I've taken, I, I, I use that time to write, um, research, uh, articles for com. It's some of the best time of my day. It's like my perfect day, right? I also go and spend an hour working out. Then I usually schedule from like nine to noon, whatever I want to get done with one of these ventures, whether it's, it's usually group current consulting or leg up health related. And then in the afternoons I take meetings. So related to some of those, one of those three things. Um, so, you know, if you think about it every day, I'm waking up and starting my brain on learning new things that aren't related usually to what I'm working on that I'm researching things like philosophy, um, you know, psychology, leadership, which are great things to learn, but they aren't helping me in real time move the needle on any of these other things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm spending like my best brain power from five to nine on that stuff. And then at nine, I switch context to stuff and, and I'm good for a couple hours, but then by noon I'm pretty burnt. And so that's why I, I use that time to go spend time with other people and, and network and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's my current routine. I know, like, I don't know why I didn't change that routine going into January with my yeah, new priorities. I mean, the way you're describing it, you're, you've already answered part of the question, right? You're spending your most valuable time on something that you enjoy, but is not furthering your, your goals. Yeah. And I do want to continue to research and write, I, but I don't need to spend four hours a day at my best time doing that. I can meet my obligation of writing an article and sharing some note, book notes every week and probably eight hours a week, like minimum, like maximum. I mean, yeah, even eight sounds like way too high to me. Yeah. It'd be different if what you could say is um, like, I want to read, I want to learn and I want to write. But can you create some kind of artifact that helps one of your businesses with that? RickLinquist.com is not your business. It's not how you're trying to make money in the short term or anything like that. Is there a way you could be writing content for Leg Up Health or Group Current instead of writing content for Rick Lindquist? I would say not. That's not exactly what I would say that that's um, that would interfere with what my goals are with, with RL.com. So RickLinquist.com is more about 
exploring new things and challenging myself to challenging my mind. And I, I don't want to be constrained and where that goes. It is very exploratory. It is very learning focused. Um, I don't want it to be constrained into a specific space. Okay. So that's constraint. You don't want that, but you, you have four businesses and it's hard enough to do one. Like you have to put limits on, you, you don't necessarily get everything you want here. Yeah, I guess um, let's assume for purpose of this conversation that I'm going to figure out a way to put four to eight hours into writing and researching every week, whether that comes in evenings before bed or on a weekend day or two weekend days, we'll figure that out. Um, but just mm-hmm. that's in the back of my mind. This podcast is untouchable. Um, so really what we're talking about is Monday through Friday, being available to leg up health and group current um, and restructuring my week to focus on maximizing those two things. Mm -hmm. And if a consulting client comes along, we can revisit this conversation to figure out how to fit consulting in, but I'm not going to be actively pursuing consulting clients with any significant amount of my time. Just, I think just by focusing on leg up and group current, moving those businesses forward, consulting opportunities will present themselves. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I buy all that. I just want to make sure we don't gloss over it because you came in here prepared with that, but for someone who didn't have the context you started with, a very important decision was just made, which is there's this thing you love doing. You're not going to stop doing it, but you're protecting your most important time for your main business objectives, which are leg up health and group current. No brainer. We don't need to discuss it more, but it's important to call it out so everyone sees what just happened. And I think uh, one thing that, I mean, I'm I'm pretty thoughtful about how I spend my time, pretty intentional about it. I went a whole month miss spending my, like not thinking about intentionally rescheduling my time around my new priorities. Um, you can get in some habits and not realize that you're in them until you reflect. And so I'm like, that's very obvious and reflecting, like stop. So I I guess where, where I'm interested in is I kind of, while I'm not moonlighting a full-time job and doing a bootstrapping thing on the side, I think a lot of people, a lot of bootstrappers probably have two things, maybe three things going on that take their different time and energy in order to fund and, and, and build a company to start up to last um, there, unless you're just, you know, you can self fund in which case that's a whole other story. But um, so, you know, I'm interested in how, you know, I think you had two priorities at one point in time, for example, at Zane benefits, you were working part-time and you were working with Bracken at building less knowing CRM. I'm interested in how you found structuring your days uh, you know, worked the best in order to maximize your productivity on both ends. And I was wondering if you prioritized one over the other um, and how that trade-off decision was made on a daily, weekly. Um, and I would say I wouldn't go past weekly, uh, but, but probably like mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, like how did you break up your hours and your days to, 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 to meet your obligations, but also, you know, prioritize what you wanted to get done with Let's Annoying CRM? Yeah, I'm guessing we're going to end up in totally different like with totally different conclusions, but maybe there are some core concepts that apply to both mm-hmm. of us. Um, Cause I mostly try not to break up my day or I, I try not to plan anything, but I'll, that doesn't mean it's just chaos. There's intention behind that. So first of all, my priority was less annoying CRM, not Zane, but Be- Zane benefits was how I was paying the bills, but like I had already quit and I was just kind of consulting on the side, which wasn't even originally part of my plan. I definitely cared more about Less Annoying CRM, but I didn't have any obligations at Less Annoying CRM. I had to put in my hours at Zane Benefits and get my work done there. And then Less Annoying CRM had to come. It's not that it had to, it was less important, but it no one would yell at me if it wasn't done. So what I what I did for that is I just I if I remember correctly, I just picked Tuesday as my day. I was like, if Friday comes and I haven't done my Zane Benefits work, not that you would literally have yelled at me as my boss at the time, but like maybe you would have yelled at me. I don't know. But I was like, I can't get to Friday and not have my work done. So I think I picked Tuesday. The reasoning being if I have an off day or something like that, there's time to catch up. But I wanted to group it all in and get it done at once because what I'm about to say is my ideal scenario is to have no constraints on my time at all. So the stuff that is constrained, I want to just knock it out and move on. In other words, like the things that you have obligations for, get those things. You want to get those things done each week. Are you thinking about this weekly? Are you I th- assume at the t- I'm kind of trying to remember my f- state of mind at the time, but I think I was thinking I need to have it done by Friday weekly. 
let me do it Tuesday. I don't know why I picked Tuesday, but I just yeah, did. So, so you're basically like, hey, um, I want to get this thing done so that I can not have to worry about it until next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I basically have six days where I don't have to worry about Zane benefits. Yes. Because partially like context switching, like you said, if, if you're the way I would think of it is think of your brain like a computer. Um, when you open a new program on your computer, you're loading a bunch of stuff into RAM, which is fast to access. That's how you actually interact with data is it being in RAM or in memory. Um, every time you open a different application, you're loading, you're overwriting what was in memory with the new application. And so that's kind of the technical analogy for what context switching is. And you don't want to do that. But also, you just don't want it hanging over your head. If if you're working on something and you you know tomorrow by noon I have to have this other thing done, it's just going to distract you even if you're not actively context switching or anything like that. Yep. So you're basically saying prioritize early in the week the obligations that you need to get done for the week based on whenever you th- in your head start your week, which could be Sunday, mm-hmm. could be Monday, could be Tuesday, depending on who you are, um, and get those things done so that you can free your mind up not to be obligated to focus on any particular thing. Yeah. Yeah. A, a general framework th- for thinking here is when you're working on something really important, you want as few things as possible distracting you from that. And those obligations would be a distraction. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, I mean, it sounds like you were... Maybe you didn't have the same conclusion, but you had the same idea. Like you don't want a context switch. You don't want these things hanging over your head, right? Most of my obligations are related to group current currently. That's where we have clients and that sort of thing. So I'd probably put group current for me towards the beginning of the week. And that's actually end up, it does end up what's happening. Um, and also like start to last planning, um, I would mm-hmm. put towards the beginning of the week. Um, and then any sort of user, existing user support for leg up health. Uh, or all this licensing crap I'd put towards the beginning of the week. And then I'd want to spend, I want to get that done by end of day Tuesday at the latest so that I could spend Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, even the weekend if I wanted to focused on um, leg up health, uh, recruiting beta users, um, or even building, growing group current um, past its basic requirements now. Yeah. I, I know for me, I would I would like that type of approach. This is why I take these occasional retreats to Utah or Boston. It's like day to day, it's just so hard to get away from all the stuff. But if you say, this is my time, when, when an email comes in, I'm ignoring it. Or I'll, I won't read it until tonight. I'm not going to worry about any of my obligations. I'm just going to dive into something deeply. Uh, the more time you can have to do that, the faster you'll move. I mean, this is what I was doing from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. every morning. I was just spending it on different things. Um, yeah. And what you're really saying is expand that f- to from 5 to noon um, and focus on like leg up health or group current. One of your ventures, don't focus on something that isn't going to help you with your main goals. Right. And then so that brings me to the second thing. And you kind of already said this. You, are, you implied this, but let's say it out loud. So you were saying you're doing your kind of creative type work in the morning and then you're have, having meetings and doing interpersonal stuff in the afternoon. There's a pretty universal reason for that, I think. But what, like, what's your reason for that? I'm tired. But like, why are you doing meetings when you're tired? I don't want to. I don't want to waste my energy on them. Yeah. Let me say it in a way that's less uh, disrespectful towards the meetings. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think there's two types of work. There's a type that um, you have to do. And it requires, it's kind of a time in, time out equation. Like you can't do it particularly well or particularly poorly. If, you, if you're really inspired and brilliant, you don't get done 10 times faster. And a meeting is one of those things. Like you have to put in the time, you have to sit there. But even if you're having an off day, you're not going to like totally, like there sales calls another one of these. If you are you know, I need to, I need to make 20 sales calls a day. Each one takes 15 minutes. I have this close rate, maybe on an off day, it takes 20 minutes instead of 15 or your close rates a little lower, but you're still fundamentally performing the the thing. There's a different type of work, which is more creative and project-based where you could potentially spend 10 hours on it and get nothing done, or you could potentially spend 30 minutes on it and get a month's worth of work done. If you're, if you're really just feeling inspired 
Do you agree with that categorization? There's yes. And this is, I think this is the most frustrating thing is like, I didn't give myself opportunities to have those creative breakthrough moments. Those 30 minutes of like, man, I just, I just progressed two weeks past. I thought I was, and those, those don't just happen. They, they have, it's kind of like you luck into them and the, in, in, a, in the course of those 10 hour journeys of not getting anything done. And I think exactly. that's what I'm missing the most, honestly. So let me use this as my argument for why your goal should be to have as little structure as possible. And I don't mean you shouldn't plan something. You can have a plan and follow it. Um, but so there's this concept of flow state or being in the zone, whatever you want to call it. But you're, you're in this, you know, 10x productivity mode. And like you just said, you can't you can't make it happen. You can't plan that, right? It just happens sometimes. And you know what I'm talking about. You've felt this before, right? Um, I would you agree with the claim that if you're not in flow state, your odds of getting entering flow state over the next say 30 minutes, not great. But if you're in flow state, your odds of staying in flow state are quite a bit better. For hours, for a day, yeah. even. Yeah, totally. Right. So my opinion is. A, you want to, if you can, maximize your odds of getting into flow state. That's hard to do. So B, the number one most important thing, in my opinion, is build your responsibilities and schedule and everything such that once you enter it, you do not have to leave it until it's naturally gone. That means don't go to meetings. Don't like, don't, don't say, well, at noon, that's the part of the day where I go do this other stuff. If you're in flow state, you just need to ride that out until 10 p.m. if you can, like as late as you possibly can. Yeah, what this is, you know, what this is making me realize is I really have to have multiple days of pretty much untouchable time that it's, and you can't do this every day if you have obligations, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm realizing how much harder this is when you, when you start having a family, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, um, so, you know, it's not just other work obligations, it's family obligations. Um, So yeah, I guess what I'm, what I'm really, what we're really talking about here is anything that you're obligated to do bucket, you know, condense those into as few like continuous days as possible. And then basically don't commit to anything with the other, create as much like uncommitted time on your calendar as possible consecutively so that you increase the likelihood that you have the opportunity to enter flow state and stay in it for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think that's, for me, that's really valuable this also affects, there's a lot of things that people might not want to do because it seems unhealthy or unsustainable. So let's say you go to bed at nine every night and probably have to start winding down by 8.30 or something. If you're working and it's 8.30 and you're in flow state, I don't go to my bed. argument is, yeah. I don't want to go to bed. I want <laughs> right. to ride that. I, and I, sometimes I'll ride that to 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do that every day. The, the Some startup kind of cultures and environments are like every single night you need to be crushing it. The, but the thing that I think is it, it kind of lifts a weight off of you to realize is if you get that extra two hours or three or four hours of flow state, you p- potentially got two weeks worth of work done that night. Take tomorrow off. Like you can do this in a healthy way where you're not overworking yourself, but you're just saying, I want to get the really, really productive time. I want to work my ass off during that period. And then I'll go easy on myself and say, it's okay if I don't get into flow state again for the next week or two. That's cool. It's it's really, I kind of see two pieces here. One is bucketing all your obligations and commitments and getting those done because you're not going to have flow state when, when you're focused on those. And then um, just giving yourself every opportunity with the remaining time in your week to enter flow state. And if you do, you know, kind of make sure you have flexibility around certain uh, structure in your, in your life, whether that's, you know, making it, having a kind of an agreement with Sable, my wife, like, Hey, if I get into slow state, one of these nights, I might cancel on dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not committing to anything. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a soft. Yes. She's going to hate this by the way. <laughs> I think you can, you can soften the blow by saying that the, the consequences, if when I get in it, you know what, the next morning, why don't I take you out to brunch, right? It's not, I'm going to ignore you forever. It's if you can, and this is actually, when I go to Utah to see you, Rick, this is the whole reason is I know if I cancel on you last minute, cause I'm in the zone, I know you'll understand and we'll just catch up some other time. And not everyone's like that. So I'm not saying you should treat every relationship that way, but if you can identify the people who will support you and accept you in that, I think it can be a big productivity boost. Yeah, Totally. 
Yeah. What we're really talking about here is reducing it's, it's, it's broadening the structure. It, this is structure. There's structure here, like intentional mm-hmm. structure, but it's, um, it's much more, um, it's much simpler structure. I would say with some basic objectives in mind than trying to like structure. It's, 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 it's more of like a weekly structure than a daily hour by hour structure, which is what you think of when you look at calendars. Um, and, uh, I like it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this structure works like for my job right now, I can't do this most weeks. Like I have too many meetings and stuff like that, but you're in the early stages of a new venture like this is the perfect time in a person's life to really embrace this type of thing. I think let's say, um, hypothetically, let's say that I get to a place with group current, this would apply to, you know, someone who's working a full-time job where I have a daily commitment. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not able to bike like right now at Rick, like where I am, where, where I Rick am, I can, I can bucket things towards the beginning of the week and really free my, my flow time up. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. Honestly. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm getting to is where, um, what, what do you do if you have a daily commitment where you can't bucket it all and free up multiple days in a row? How do you get to flow state? What I would do, well, one option is just like work weekends or work really late and then be tired in the morning. I mean, those probably aren't great approaches, but I, I think some people do them. What I would do is try and do everything you can to have a job that allows you the flexibility you need. I bet there are jobs out there that would say, we need 40 hours a week. If you want to do 10 or four 10-hour days and then take Friday off every week, go for it. I bet Now, not every company will allow that, but I think some people who are entering the bootstrapping world think, I either keep my current job or I quit and go full-time on my project. There's this third option, which is you quit your job and get a different one that supports bootstrapping better. This is effect. I didn't do this intentionally, but when I quit Zane Benefits and then got offered the 20-hour-a-week consultant option, that was exactly, I did did it by mistake, but it was the exact thing. I I switched a full-time nine-to-five job with this very flexible 20-hour-a-week job, and it was perfect. That makes sense. Uh, So, yeah, if you're in a job that doesn't allow you to get into flow state, you're probably not going to make much progress on your startup. So, either give up, you know, postpone your startup, you know, goals, or get put yourself in a new job that allows you to structure some flow time. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people are just afraid to ask. Like, if if you're really productive in the morning, like you are, and you had a nine to five job, if you went to your boss and said, "Can I just show up at ten a.m.? Can I work ten to six instead of nine to five? A lot of companies would be fine with that. Yeah, but that's still not solving the flow state problem of like consecutive days. Like it's yeah. it's 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 better, right? But like mm-hmm. that's just another like daily context switch between startup and and full-time job. It doesn't get you that consecutive days of focus on the creativity on the startup. Yeah, there's probably a reason so many bootstrappers came from freelancing, consulting, stuff like that cuz even if you're working a 40 hour week, you can decide what hours those are going to be. And if you're, if you do get in that flow state at 7 AM, you can just be like, I was planning on working for my client today, but I'm, I'm going to do it tomorrow instead. Cause I'm in the zone right now. And this works for writing too. I'm realizing like I, if I didn't schedule my writing and I just had time to like, when I had a moment of creativity, I could just t- pop up that article. I'd get ahead on my writing, honestly, because there's so many times where I just am thinking and if I, I don't have the time to go execute that idea right then about, you know, in my head, but if I could just go write that right now, I want to, I'd mm-hmm. write it and I'd be done with the article in 30 minutes, um, as opposed to, you know, two or three hours. Uh, you know. Yeah. I've thought this before that in almost every situation, probably the difference in productivity between working on the thing you're motivated to do versus the thing you're not is way more significant than working on the quote unquote right thing versus the second or third best thing. So almost always, if if you're motivated to do something, just go do it. And f- who cares if it's not the number one priority right now? Yeah, this is interesting. I'd, I'd love, I, I feel like I have a, a really good understanding of what I can do in my current time. And, it, you know, hopefully that's, this has been helpful to other people who are early on in companies as you get to where you are, how do you, and you've got these, I think maybe like what you're dealing with right now might be good for people who are 
um, further along, like, or, mm-hmm. you know, full-time jobbers, like, how do you find flow state now? Um, and I mean, I'm guessing that you, that's why you go on these sabbaticals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So two, three, four times a year, I go somewhere normally Utah, it could be anywhere, but basically I lock myself in an Airbnb with my computer full, full setup. I bring my two monitors and everything with me on, you know, on the airplane. Um, and the idea is just to put myself in an environment where there's no, I have no responsibilities, no obligations, nothing. And I think for me, a good 10 days is about right. After 10 days of this, this is not sustainable because, you know, I'm, I'm, shunning other humans i'm like humans need social interaction stuff like that but for about 10 days i just get a ton of work done i enter flow state maybe every other day i want to be really clear here like this can be i think toxic if you put too much pressure on yourself to like i have to be super productive the whole time if i'm not feeling it i'll go get some fast food and watch crappy tv for five hours because you can't force it or i can't anyway i'm bad at it but by just removing all my obligations I do get into flow state more. Now, the the consequence of that is I just finished one of these retreats. I come back. I have like 50 little things I have to do. It doesn't mean the work that you ignored for that week goes away. It just means you're bucketing it together uh, so that you can really have long interrupted periods. Yeah, there's this guy um, named uh, Neil. I forget his last name, but he has this matrix where it's like there's high important tasks, low important tasks, and there's... um, high time, low time tasks. And you really want to, for your high time, high important tasks, that's what you want to be in flow state for, for your low time, low important. That's the stuff you just want to have automatically happen. And it sounds like what you have is low time, high important stuff that builds up. Um, and those are the things you want to, you don't, they don't require a ton of brain power, but like if you had to context switch between them over like every, every day, it'd be really frustrating. So you kind of mm-hmm. bucket those and knock them out and then go out and then go back on a sabbatical for your high important, high time tasks. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would even suggest going so far back to what we were talking about at the beginning, that even if you're not working on it, if you know you have to do it, it's going to be hanging over you and bothering you. When I go on these trips, I take every email in my inbox and I add a label called unarchive when I'm done with my trip. And I delete all of them. I don't snooze them. I just delete them all. All right. I archive them all. They're not in my inbox. They're not in my task list. And then I recover all of it when I come back. So my goal is to not even have these things hanging over my head. So do you, do you have them automatically get archived when they come in or do you review them and manually archive them while you're on the trip? Uh, that's a good question. I, I review and manually archive, but um, that'd be actually that's really interesting. It never occurred to me to just automatically do that. that like that's probably a, f- a good idea. Set up a filter and just like unless it's from like someone that you have to read an email from. Mm-hmm. filter it. Well, and if you have teammates like I do, I could just say, hey, if if an email is coming in, if someone's trying to get my attention, it's important. Hit me up on Slack or send me a text message. But yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Cool. Um, gosh, I feel like I have what I need. I don't want to prolong this discussion for no reason. Yeah. Uh, I guess how much context switching... I guess it's the same thing. It's like you basically bucket your, if you get a context switch a lot, do it, do it all at once and get it out of the way because it's going to be so damaging to your flow state. And if you want to get some really high, important, high, high time creative work done, give yourself the freedom to you know get into flow state. And once you do take full advantage of that, don't let anything interrupt you. Like that's the takeaway right there. Yeah, I think so. And, and just to reiterate, this can have toxic consequences to your life, to your mental health, if you do it the wrong way. Communicate with people who are, you know, you have commitments with. To if, if you're going to cancel on them, like you have to communicate, you have to set expectations. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, it, one benefit to structuring your time the way you have been is you're like, I did my three hours of work. I'm done. In this world, you never really know, did, did I do enough or not? So you have to be able to just say, I trust that it's going to come. I know I'm implicitly motivated. I'm not going to put too much pressure on myself. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think the, this big point, like doing this when you were single is probably very different now oh, yeah. than when so you have Shelly. Do you have any suggestions on how to manage relationships through this um, that you've learned as you go on these sabbaticals? How do you handle that with Shelly? <laughs> I think Shelly's pretty agreeable. Like she always kind of jokingly guilt trips me. Like, I, you know, I can't believe you're leaving me again type stuff, but it helps that when I met her, I was in this 
startup phase. I, when I met her, we'd go days where like I would still be awake working when when she woke up to go to work and stuff like that. So I don't know. It'd be hard to take a relationship that already exists and and institute that as a new norm. But I think it's just like anything. This is speculation. I haven't been through this, but I would guess it just comes down to communication, just like anything else. It's like, here's why this is important to me. Here's why this should be important to us. Here are these expectations. If there's a problem, bring it up. Let's talk about it. Um, I think a lot of people make the problem of overpromising and then not being able to live up to their their promises, and that's a problem. I mean, that's I, it's it's really the secret to this is underpromise on everyone in your life, and, so that you have the opportunity to you know exceed expectations, but you're not committed fully ever to anything other than your startup, mm-hmm. um, so that you can take advantage of the flow time when it comes. It makes total yeah. sense. I think this is going to, I think um, when I was CEO of PeopleKeep, I got into the, I had so many different priorities. I got into the habit of having lots of structure in my day so that I could get the things done that I wanted to get done every day, but you know, not allowing myself to enter flow state probably ever. And um, which maybe you didn't need to. There's a Paul Graham essay called like, uh, I think it's manager time versus maker time. Are you familiar with those terms? I love this article. Yeah. And the idea being a manager is not, they are enabling other people's flow states, right? The the flow state is coming from individual contributors for the most part. And so if you're a manager, which mostly is what I do now, mostly I don't need to have my, my schedule like this. I only need a few weeks a year where I can go get my deeper work done. Well, see, like oh, I did everything wrong. Uh, see, I was trying to have my maker time in the mornings. This whole morning stuff comes from my trying to have my maker time in the mornings and my manager time in the evenings while I was CEO. And I ended up failing at both. Like, so it's uh, right now I'm realizing what you're encouraging me is you, you do have some manager time right now that you got to do. Buck, box those by days, not by hours. Get them done ASAP and then free up the rest of your week for your maker time. And P.S., if you can't get maker time scheduled on your calendar, you probably ain't going to make much progress with your startup. Which is what happened to me in January. It's going to be harder anyway. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's. I don't have any other takeaways unless you do. Cool. No, I, I think that sounds good. I can't it's wait. Fun to talking update. about this stuff. I can't wait to update you on this. Like, give February <laughs> and just see where I am. It's either going to work really well, or I'm going to be like, like trying to get Sable to come back and move back into the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I could see. It's probably not for everyone. It's worked well for me, but it's probably not for everyone. Cool. Um, well. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about Startup to Last. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week, Tyler. All right. See you.